God's restoration and redemption in our lives for several months now. We're using the book of Ezra and Nehemiah to sort of make the parallel between, uh, you know, what God was doing in rebuilding Israel and Judah and Jerusalem and what he's doing in our lives as Christians. And today we're in uh, Nehemiah 4. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm really encouraged about, uh, about what God is doing in my life and in this body because I think, I think the stuff we're talking about is actually happening. We're seeing it. And uh, that, that's always encouraging to see God fulfill his word. So in Nehemiah 4, uh, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read it, and then we're going we're to make a few points, and I promise we won't, uh, we won't go real, real long or anything, but, but I do have some points I want to share with you, and I think they'll, they'll make sense to you. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? By the way, the title of this message is Reviving the Stones, and that is what God wants to do, even the stones that are burned. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he'll break down their stone wall. You know, I, I've, I've got this mindset about this Sambalat and Tobiah. Sambalat's kind of like the, you know, he's the main guy, and Tobiah's like his little toady that hangs around with him, you know, and he's always like, yeah, yeah, even a fox gets up on it, it's going to cause their wall to fall down, you know, and he just, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a bunch of little whiny brats or something. But uh, I don't know that that's even the case. They were both leaders of some sort, but it kind of appears to me that way. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So Nehemiah prays. He says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. So I want to make a couple of points to you. Restoration aggravates the enemy. And uh, when we begin to operate in restoration, we're going to get some resistance from the enemy. Now, all these stories in Ezra and Nehemiah, you go all the way back to uh, Exodus, you know, when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt. Those stories are there so that we can see how the devil operates in our lives. Because Egypt and Pharaoh are, are similar to what the devil does in our lives as believers. You know, the, they want to have control. They want to make you into a slave. They want to keep you in bondage. And when you, you start trying to get relief, they just pour on more. And that's what was happening here. God's, 
God was making arrangements for his people to go back and rebuild, and the enemy began to come in and attack, and the enemy began to come in and, and discourage them, come in and say bad things about them. How many of you have ever had an experience in life where you did something good, and you're feeling all good about it, and then somebody else comes along and says, well, you just doing that for your own personal benefit. That wasn't you, you, you bunch of lying, cheating. No, you just, you know, and they start saying bad stuff about you. Well, you can either, you can either get all discouraged and you can give up, or you can just say, well, you know, sorry that you feel that way, but I know my heart, I know why I did it, and I'm going to keep doing the things that God has shown me to do. <clears throat> As Christians, we are always subject to attacks from the enemy because he doesn't like for God to be victorious in our lives. He doesn't like that. The restoration aggravates the, the enemy and also um, overcoming aggravates the enemy. And that's what we're, we're going to be talking about today is that, uh, the restoration that God is doing and the fact that we're overcoming. And it's a battle. It's always a battle. It's an ongoing struggle. It's not a one-time event. You understand, you don't, you don't just come to the altar and ask Jesus to be your Lord and then everything is perfect and hunky-dory and it's all just, you know, it, I mean, it's a struggle. There are things that are going on all the time. It never, it never stops because the devil never stops. When the children of Israel got released from Egypt, they, they were free, but then when they got to the Red Sea, here come, here come Pharaoh and his army again. I mean, he was trying to bring them back into bondage. That's what the devil does. We get free, we're making progress, boom, here comes the enemy, one along, come bring us back into bondage. He wants to bring us back into that same old thing. Bonnie, I appreciate you sharing that word because that is so true. We, we, wanna, we wanna be focused on all that stuff in the past, the way it was back when and how God did it then and why didn't it look like that now. And you know, God, God is always doing something new. It doesn't mean it's not, it's not according to his word, it just might look a little different. You know, back in the, in the 40s or the 60s or the 80s, I mean, you know, the way God moved was a little different than it might be today. But it's still God, and He's still moving. We need to embrace the movement of the Lord, and we need to embrace His presence and not, not try to compare it like now versus then, because it's totally different. Kirk talked about it, and I, you know, I was in that same deal. Uh, my brother and I, we went to that Jesus Expo in 1972 in Dallas. You know, I mean, it was... 80,000 people there every day, you know. I mean, we went to that because we were Jesus freaks, you know. We weren't hippies, necessarily. We had, did have longer hair than we do now, but, but that place was filled with young people who had given their lives to Jesus, and they were excited about it. I mean, I mean they were, and when they have these meetings, well, when the meetings were dismissed, people would go into the streets, and they were going into the stores and witnessing the people in the store. I mean, it was just, it was crazy, but it was because everybody was excited about Jesus, and they weren't ashamed of the gospel. Now, if we got excited about the Lord like that now, it would look different. Because we wouldn't have a bunch of long-haired hippies, for one thing. We wouldn't be wearing bell-bottoms and all that kind of stuff. We'd look different, you know, flower children, you know, all that business. But, but the point is, God would still be moving. And it would still be a, a real move and a real revival. It just might look a little different. And so we need to be careful not to always compare what God is doing now with what God did back then because we, get, we, we start missing what God is doing. If God's people had been a little more on the ball when Jesus came along, they would have embraced him instead of saying, well, that's, you know, we wanted you to come and 
restore the kingdom. And what he was doing was restoring the kingdom, but it was the spiritual kingdom, not the physical kingdom. Okay, so it happened when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall that he got all worked up. So the thing is, when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost dominion. God had, God had created them and said, I'm giving you dominion over all the animals, over everything. The earth is for you to control. It is under your dominion. But when they sinned, the devil took that dominion from them. And ever since then, we've been trying to get it back. Oh, man, i got to quit hitting that. So, uh, in Luke 4, verses 5 through 8, Jesus was being tempted, and the devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. The devil said to him, All of this authority I will give to you and all their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus said in John 14, 30, he says, I'm not going to talk with you much longer for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. I just want to make this point to you that Satan, the devil, does have dominion in this world. I mean, he has an a ability to rule because he usurped it from Adam and Eve. And the scripture says that. You know, when, when he was tempting Jesus, Jesus didn't argue with him. He didn't say, no, you don't. He just, he said, I'm not going to worship you. Because Jesus knew he was going to gain dominion back again on the cross. And so he was willing to, to wait until everything was fulfilled. <clears throat> so we have authority. And the Bible, the word the Bible uses in the New Testament for authority is exousia. It is a jurisdiction or it's an authority that we have as believers. It gives us the the authority to operate within, within the guidelines that, that the Word of God has given us to do things in the kingdom. And so Jesus has given us that authority. He told us in Matthew 28 when he said, I want you to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of everyone. And he said, all authority is given to me. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. That's why I'm telling you to go. And what he was saying was, I'm with you, and because I'm with you, and you're going on my behalf, then all of my authority is now your authority to operate in the kingdom. And so that's the point that, that I want you to understand is that we have an opportunity to work within God's authority and power. Now, all things are under Jesus' feet. But that's like a, uh, it's, it's sort of like our, our spiritual position versus our real life position. You know, I mean, we, we understand it's done at the cross. Jesus took back all of that dominion and he conquered death, hell, and the grave and everything is under his feet. But we as his people are trying to figure out how to live that out in real life. And so we're not actually, we're not actually walking all the time, 100% of the time with the devil under our feet. There are moments that we do, and there are times that maybe he jumps out from under our feet, <laughs> trips us up a little bit. 
But it's, a, it's an ongoing struggle. That's part of what we're learning. The victory's been won, but we, we are learning how to walk that out in real life. Just like our salvation. When you, when you ask Jesus to live in your heart, he does, you're forgiven, but there are still things that we're working out. How to live this life, how to walk in victory and not have uh, sin having dominion over you like it used to. That's part, of our, that's part of our salvation experience. The big word, sanctification, that's what that means. We are, we are becoming changed to be like him. And that's the same way with the authority and the power that the Lord has given us. To the extent that we understand who we are in Christ, to the extent we understand what God's word says, that's the extent that we will operate within the power and the authority that he's given us. If we don't understand it, we're not going to operate in it. If you understand it, you'll begin to operate in it. You're not going to be perfect at it, but you will have an opportunity to begin to live that out. But if you don't even know what's available, I promise you're going to get whooped. You're going to get whooped on a regular basis. And getting whooped is no fun. I want to be the one doing the whooping. Tracy's dad has this saying. He said, well, we whooped them until they cried, and then we whooped them for crying. And <laughs> You know, that's what we want to be doing about the devil. We don't want to be letting him get us. We want to be putting him down under our feet. We want to be victorious. And then when he whines and cries about it, then we'll just proclaim the truth of the word a little more and say, how's that? Yeah, there. Yeah, get on out of here. That's what Jesus said to him. It's written. Get on out of here. So, Romans 16:20, Paul says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Now, there's a bunch of scripture. You, I want you to read this on your own in 1 Corinthians, uh, talking about uh, first Adam, the last Adam, how the, the natural man, spiritual man, one was made from dust of the earth, one was, you know, was the Lord from heaven. And it says that as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we're going to bear the image of the Lord from heaven. I mean, we are becoming like him, and he is the king of kings. All things are under his feet, and we're in his image, so we need to learn how to walk with that same kind of authority and power with all things under our feet as well. The power, um, we have power to build. Now, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked his followers, he said, you know, who, who do people say that I am? And they start saying, well, you know, some of them say you're Elijah, and some of them say you're the prophet. And he said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Berjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have power to build. The dunamis power, that is, it's a miraculous power. It's the power to work miracles. It is like, it's the word that we get dynamite from. It's, it is explosive power. We have, the, we have the jurisdiction and the authority, and we also have the power. And so when we use those two together, we can operate within the guidelines of the kingdom, and we can operate with power. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and that's what we're doing. We're working with him. 
we're getting into agreement with him. And he said, the things that you bind will be bound, the things that you loose will be loosed. And what that literally means is those things having already been loosed will be loosed, and those things having already been bound will be bound. That's what's going on in heaven. And when we come into agreement with what's going on in heaven, we can operate in that same, that same uh, authority and power here on earth. The things that are bound in heaven, we can bind here in the earth. The things that are loosed in heaven, we can loose here in the earth. That is what is going on in heaven. Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, just like it is in heaven. I mean, we know we're doing according to God's will when we're doing what, what he's doing in heaven, right? Amen. He wants to build his church, and he's given us the keys of the kingdom. That means he's given us authority. You ever see the politicians, you know, when someone, they, they come in and they, they give them the key to the city, this big dumb key, you know, you, you know, things like a big club. Well, when you get the key to the city, that means you have authority to do things. That means they recognize who you are. Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. The enemy recognizes who we are. He recognizes that we have authority to operate within the kingdom. And he doesn't like that. And so he will attack us. He will work against us all the time. Ephesians 1, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. According to the working of his mighty power, those two words mean like the possession of power and the ability. The possession of power and the ability. The working of the possession of power and ability. That's, that's what's working our life. We have power. It's like, you know, not exactly, but like the you know, little cartoon guy, you know, he-man, I have power! Well, you know, we have power. In the kingdom, we have power. And we have the ability. God's grace is sufficient. And that gives us the ability to do the things that we need to do with power. 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I just want to go back to the, the thing I said earlier that... Sam Ballot and Tobiah, were, they were making these accusations against him. And they were saying, look, you really think you're going you're to change everything? You're going to make all this stuff new? Are you really? You really think you're going to raise up a new wall out of those stones that are burned with fire? That's exactly what God wants to do. The very stones in your life that were burned with fire, the very things that the enemy destroyed, the very thing that the enemy had you messed up with, that's the thing he wants to restore and bring back to life. He doesn't want to chunk it all out and start over. He wants to take you 
and create you again into something new and beautiful. Make you into a living stone. Not a stone that's burned with fire, but a living stone. He's building us up into, into something beautiful. And, and that's as individuals and as a body. You understand that that's, that's going on in all of us individually. God is, re, he is rebuilding and restoring each one of us. And as he does that, then we come together as a body and as a group, we are even more amazing because there's God's presence. It's compounded when there's more of us. And he says, well, there's two or three together. I'm going to be there. It's a great thing to understand that we as individuals are being changed and restored and redeemed. God wants to take all of your brokenness. See, the enemy wants to, he wants to point out your brokenness. And he wants you to stay focused on that. And God is saying, I'm going to take that brokenness and I'm going to make it into something great. The former glory is going to be nothing compared with the latter glory. That's what he says. We've got to get our eyes on the Lord. We've got to understand that He is doing something beyond what we see with our eyes, beyond what, what the devil wants to remind you of all the time. If you listen to the devil, I'm sorry, but you're going to get all mixed up because all he wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy. He just wants to tell you about all the bad things. He wants to tell you about how much you messed up. He wants to remind you of all the things that are ruined and messed up in your life, all the mistakes you've made, all the, the problems you've got now because of those mistakes, all the things that, that didn't go well. He just wants to keep telling you about it over and over and over. In Revelation, it says that he, he is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses it before God day and night. That's what he does. And he's always talking about all the things you did wrong, all the things that you should have done differently, all the things that are messed up and broken, all of your problems. Man, we need to get over that. We need to start getting our eyes on the Lord and, and begin to let him help us focus on what he's changing about us, what he's making new in our lives, that we're, we're not that same old person. Yeah, I got some areas that are still kind of hanging around, but look at all the things he's changed about me. I can get excited about that. Why not get excited about what God's done instead of getting all focused on what needs to be done? Man, you can get yourself down the mully grub pretty quick if you start thinking about all the bad things. Get your eyes on the good stuff. So, when we are prospering, it makes Satan really unhappy. And he starts bringing all these accusations against us. And we, we need to begin to realize that that's what he does but we don't have to listen to it, and we don't have to agree with it. We can reject what he says to us. And he starts condemning us. He starts telling us about all the, all the things that we've done wrong. And uh, do you really think you're going to be any different? And, you know, the obvious answer is, well, you know, that's the way I've always been. I'm probably just going to keep being. That's what the devil wants you to believe. But God says, no, you are different. You're a new creation. In Romans 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So all that is just to say that, you know, you, you got some stuff in your past. We've all got some junk in our trunk, okay? I mean, I don't deny it, and you shouldn't deny it. But we don't have to live in condemnation, because this says, There is thou now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if we now begin to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, then we won't be doing those same things over and over. And then we'll just be talking about what was in the past instead of what's right now. And we get our eyes on Jesus, and we'll be walking in the Spirit, and we'll be defeating the enemy on a more and more consistent basis. We'll be walking in victory because that's what he's promised us, amen? He said, you're going to be triumphed. You're going to be walking in triumph, because he has caused us to be triumphant. He's caused us to be more than conquerors. That means that we are learning how to walk that out in real life every day. And yeah, you, you don't win all the battles, but you gotta, you got to get your eyes on the prize, though. And when you don't win the battle... Just shake it off and go on. And you're going to have attacks from the enemy, various attacks. First Peter says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. I, you know, don't think it's strange. It's going to happen. You're going to have trials and tribulations. You're going to have things that are not exactly what you would like. But don't get all freaked out. Don't panic. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Just count it all joy. And begin to think, you know, I'm getting to suffer a little bit just like Jesus did. If Jesus suffered, then I can suffer a little bit. And if he walked through it victorious, then I'm going to walk through it victorious because he lives in me. Amen? That's the hope. That's the blessed hope. Christ in us. A hope of glory. We don't have to do this on our own. He is right there. So when we overcome, it aggravates the enemy, too. People had a mind to work in Nehemiah 4, 6. They said they built the wall. The entire wall was joined together up to half its height. The people had a mind to work. Now, think about this. The wall was built to half its height. And I just want to encourage you. Um, you know, half the height is better than nothing. Amen? But that's not the full wall. And so we, you know, we're all growing. We're all maturing. And there's a lot, of, a lot of teaching in Scripture about us becoming more like God and us growing and learning more and more, learning to walk in faith and learning to walk in victory. And it doesn't, it doesn't come just instantly. That's something that we have to learn how to do because we're, we're learning how to say no to our flesh, no to the things the devil's trying to say to us and do to us, and yes to God. And that, that is a struggle. It is a struggle all the time. There's always a struggle going on. The walls are built to half their height. Now, Hebrews 5, it says, uh, Having been perfected, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom he had much to say, and it was hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. You understand what he said there? I got a lot to say to you, but you're a bunch of boneheads, and you're, you got beans in your ears, and I can't say it because you got hard of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you come to need milk, 
<laughs> Not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That makes the point exactly. The enemy's coming, and he's, he's trying to feed you this line of baloney all the time. And if you're immature, if you're still sucking the bottle, you're just going to believe what he says. If you're eating some meat along with that milk, you're probably going to recognize, this guy's lying to me. This guy's trying to deceive me. And I'm not going for it. Because by having my senses exercised, I'm able to discern the right from the wrong. I'm able to discern what God is saying and what the enemy is saying. When God comes to you and says, you need to correct this, you realize you're being corrected. But when the devil comes to you and beats you over the head, that's condemnation. And you recognize this is not from God. Because when God corrects you, it's in love. And it makes you, it makes you want to do better. It makes you want to have hope that I can be changed. But when the devil's beating you up, you just feel bad. And you feel worse. And you feel even bad for feeling worse. And the next thing you know, all you're doing is just going around thinking, man, I'm a loser. Loser. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to put it on you. And he wants to just keep putting it on you. And if you let him, he'll do it. We need to learn to, to discern what God's saying and what the devil's saying and take a stand and don't just believe the lie. 1 Corinthians, Paul's talking about, uh, in chapter 3, same thing. I, he said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you're still not able. For you're still carnal. You're still fleshly. You're still just acting like a bunch of, a bunch of immature brats. Because you got envy and strife and divisions among you. You're just behaving like a bunch of knuckleheads. And then he goes on, he says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, I, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. We have power to build. Amen? Just like in Nehemiah, they were going to rebuild the wall. God was enabling them to build the wall. Well, we need to be building some walls in our lives so that the enemy can't just come and go freely, can't just come and, and just attack us anytime he wants. We've got a little protection, a little security up. We need to have a wall up. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, well, there you go, living stones, Precious stones, God wants us to build on the foundation with our bodies and our lives because we're living stones. We were burned up and we were cast down. We were all messed up, but he's making us new into living stones that are for his glory. And believe me, he considers us precious. Now you may look at your life and you may say, I'm all messed up and I've done wrong and I'll never be without a blah, blah, blah. You can do it all. But I'm telling you, God looks at you and he says, you're so precious. I gave everything for you. I gave everything for you. That's how God looks at you. He didn't look at you as something that's broken and messed up and can't be redeemed. He looks at you as something that's precious, so precious, he gave everything for you. Ah, we need to get on board with that. We need to start seeing ourselves as God sees us. It'll change you. It'll give you hope. You won't be believing what the enemy says. You believe what God says about you. 
And we're all supposed to be growing in Christ. And, and he gave us these great gifts, apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, all those gifts, people who come into our lives and speak into our lives so that we can be equipped and we can measure up to the fullness of Christ in our lives. He wants to equip us and make us whole so that we'll be who we're supposed to be. That's all got to be working. It's all got to be working in us. The body, that's what the body is all about. Every part of the body is doing its part. Every joint supplying its part so that we are built up into this temple, a dwelling place for God. The enemy wanted to bring in uh, attack and confusion. And it says they made their prayer to God. So I just want to encourage you. I, I get this, I, you know, I told you earlier, I get this mindset about these guys, you know, Sam Ballot and Tobiah. You know the cartoons where they hide behind a bus? And, <laughs> well, that's the way I see these guys. You know, they're, they're out there sneaking around, and they're trying to sneak up on them, and they're trying to build a wall, but they're having to watch for these guys sneaking up on them all the time. And the whole plan was, they said it. They said, we're going we're gonna to create confusion, and we're going to attack them. And they're not going to know where we're coming from. They're not going to see it, but we're going to sneak up on them every day. They're going to be watching out for us because we're going to try to mess up what they're doing. Well, Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you know the enemy's attacking you, just pray. Pray. Don't be anxious about it. Pray. And the peace of God will guard your heart. And then I want to encourage you when you're really going through it, like the early church, they started seeing God doing all these miracles, the great signs and wonders, and then they started getting arrested and thrown in jail and beaten and accused of all kinds of heresy. And what do they do? They come together and they pray. And they, and they didn't pray, you know, uh, keep us safe. They said, give us boldness to preach the good news. Give us boldness to do the things that you've called us to do. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to get out of our comfort zones and do what God has called us to do. And we've got to set up a watch. You've got to set up a watch day and night. The enemy doesn't ever give up. But God never gives up either. God's with us all the time, but the enemy is always attacking us. Peter uh, says in 1 Peter 5a, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a while, perfect or complete you, establish you, strengthen and settle you. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, uh, you've probably heard the story about the roaring lions, you know, they, they, they hunt in, you know, groups, and the old lions that don't have any teeth and can't really go and kill things too good, they just roar a lot. So what happens then, that roaring lion, all the rest of the animals, they hear the roar, and it's like, Roaring lion, they run this way. Well, all the rest of the pride of lions is waiting over here for them. They run right into them. And then the guy with no teeth, he gets to share in the bounty. So the devil walks around. He's always after us. But Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Don't be ignorant. Just recognize that there's a battle going on. If you don't know there's a battle going on, you're going to get whooped. 
If you know there's a battle going on, you've got a pretty good chance you can defend yourself and you can be victorious. But you've got to be sober and vigilant. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. So, uh, worship team, y'all can come on back up and we're going to wrap it up. I want to make this last point. All, all of this is to just to encourage you. We need to rise up and build. God wants, He wants to build something beautiful out of our lives. And we're part of that process. You understand? We're part of the process. It doesn't just happen automatically. Now, God is always working on our, on our behalf. But we have to keep ourselves in this process. We have to make ourselves available to Him. He's not going to just, you know, come in and bonk you on the head without you being in agreement. You have, to, you have to say, this is what I want, Lord. I want what you want. I'm offering myself, and I, I'm asking you to come have your way. And when we do that, that's what he wants to do. But if you just sit back and you don't even ask, you don't even want to be part of the process, you're just expecting God to just do it all for you, you, you miss the point. Because that's not the way it works in the spiritual realm. We are part of the process. We need to be praying. We need to be submitting ourselves to God. We need to give ourselves to him fully so that he can do what he wants to do. The last point is, they didn't quit building. They kept building. And the enemy would like to discourage you so that you'll quit building. That's the whole point. He wants to lie to you and deceive you and trick you so that you'll just give up. And God's saying, I'm with you, man. Don't give up. I'm here to give you a victory. I'm here to make the way, to make the, the crooked ways straight and to make the, the mountains and everything into a plain. I'm here to help you walk through this. That's what God wants to do in our lives. But we've got to see that. We've got to know that. We've got to be convinced of that. You can listen to the lies of the enemy, and I promise you're going to be defeated. If you listen to what God says, you can be victorious. It's your choice. It's always been the same choice. I set before you life, I set before you death. Just choose which way you're going to go. You want to believe what I say? You're going to believe what the devil says. I'm all in. I don't want to believe the devil anymore. I listened to his lies for many years, and I missed out on a lot of things. But God is a redeemer. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So now, uh, everything is different in my life because I began to believe what God said about me instead of what the devil was saying about me. And it can be the same with all of us. So, Lord, we just invite you to speak to us now. Your word is true, Lord, and we want to believe what you say. Help us, Lord, to believe your word. Help us to know that your word is true and that your word is alive and powerful. It'll, do, it'll go right into the very thoughts and intents of our heart, Lord. Your word can change us. Your word can transform us as we let our minds be renewed by the power of your word. So, Lord, speak to us. Give us life now. Breathe life into us. As we worship you, speak to each one of us through your word. Show us areas where we've been lied to. Show us areas in our lives, Lord, where, where we need the light to shine to expose darkness. Show us areas that, that we've believed the lie and we're walking in deception, Lord. Bring deliverance to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.
you. So if you if you got a special need, you'd like someone to pray with you, just you know, I'll meet you here at the altar, or whatever it is. If you don't know Jesus, uh, you, we can talk about it and pray with you. If you want to have special prayer for sickness or you got a need of any sort, you know, just just come. Otherwise, we're gonna worship the last song and then we're gonna dismiss. I'll always 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for that promise that we might be dying and we're all getting older and we're all having our issues, but Lord, we're always going to be alive in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you are the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you seal this word in our hearts. Help us to go out of here chained so that we would begin to believe what you say and that we would rise up and build, that we wouldn't be discouraged, and we wouldn't sit down and quit, but we would follow you and continue to do what you called us to do, Lord. I thank you for that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. And uh, don't forget all the activities we got and need some of you guys to uh, help us move some of the chairs around. Uh, you can do that before or after you go get your snacks or whatever. But uh, everything that we got going on, we need a little extra help this week. So don't just run away. Go, but don't go too fast. God bless you. Okay.